Before we begin tonight, if we could just uh, bow our heads for a prayer, please. Father in heaven, we're thankful for thy promises. And we're thankful, Lord, that we can claim the promises that that will be in our midst, Father. We're far more than two or three. And we're thankful for the outpouring of thy spirit that will be promised, is promised, and we'll feel in this place in spite of anything that any of us can offer. Lord, pray that thy servant would be put it back and put at bay, Lord, and that um, the words of thy spirit would, would come forth um, in power and simplicity as well, Father. Bless us as we divide thy word now, and we'll give thee thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a couple confessions. For one, I came into this room a little early. Well, one, I never in a million years would have wanted to do this job. You all know that there are folks that are much more capable of doing this than me. Frankly, I am used to sitting in these seats. I'm, I'm always the one that, I like to pretend I'm a teen. I haven't been a teen for a little while, not too long. Um, but I like to go to the teen sermon. I'd like to sing in a teen choir. My wife says, you can't really sing in a teen choir if you're going to have a teen sermon. We're going to still see if that works. I may still try. I like, I, I like to think I'm still young. But I was incredibly intimidated when this responsibility fell to me, and I said, you know, hopefully it's in one of those rooms that I'm familiar with, someplace that I can be comfortable. And then I see the sheet, and it says you're going to be in the main stage theater. So I thought, okay, well, I better come look at this place. To me, this looks like the Coliseum. Um, you walk out of a tunnel where there could be lions, there might be tigers coming out of this one. It's not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Um, and as I knew that this responsibility had fallen to me, um, I really said, Lord, what, what do I have to, to say? And he first said, nothing, for one. And then I said, well, what do you want to say? And what first came to mind that he kind of laid on my heart was, well, you know these kids. Now, admittedly, I don't know all of you. But most of you I know. Oh, by the way, I'm Mike Freund from Syracuse. <laughs> Some of you may know me. Um, you know, I, I know most of you. I know most of your faces. I can relate pretty well, I think, to where you are in life, what phases of life you're in, what stages you're going through. You know, I was... Very recently, sitting in these benches and sitting well, these chairs and sitting in, and experiencing a lot of the same things you do now experience. But I said, Lord, what does that have to do with anything? And he says, well, you know them. And I know them, and, and I'm going to speak through my word to them. I'm impressed with the young people nowadays. Because I look out at all of you, and I can see you in whether it's the classes or in the gym or, you know, just we've only been at camp for a couple hours, but you all seem to have it together so well. I don't know if you feel like you have it that way, but there's, there's different, different niches that you all fit into. Some of you, I know, are the clowns, right? Some of you are the guys that like to make everybody else laugh. I wasn't really that guy. Some of you are the ones that I know sit in these benches every year at camp because you're good kids. Your parents say you're going to be at church every Sunday. You are there every Sunday. 
You know how to sit in church. You can sing all the Zion's harp songs by memory. You can probably call out most of the numbers by heart. You know exactly how things in church are supposed to go. I was probably a little bit more like that. Some of you are the rebels. Some of you are the ones that, you know, guys and girls really shouldn't be too good of friends, and, you know, we try to discourage all that kind of thing. But at camp, it's mixed seating, so you'll get about as close as you can without getting in trouble, but try to push the, the envelope. I love watching you look to the neighbor like, oh, crap. I sat in the wrong seat. You know, guys, you can stick with the fashions like I never could. Skinny jeans are a new thing. How you get into those, I'll never know, but God bless you for trying, and you'll work at it. Ladies, high heels. I'm impressed. But watch everybody walking around camp in heels. I know that when my wife tries to do that, she'll wear them for a couple hours on a Sunday. By Sunday night, she's walking around the house doing this, trying to stretch out her legs. So you get it done successfully, I, I commend you. Guys, I've never, I'm, I'm 27, yeah, <laughs> 27, I've never in my life remembered young people being in such good shape. I mean, I'm round as a shape, you know, flabby is a shape, that's the shape I understand. But some of you guys look like you're cut out of stone. Work hard at it, commend you. That's great. And I thought, okay, Lord, I, I, I kind of see where they're coming from. Maybe there's something in that. There's something in that because they seem to have it all going on. It's all lining up for them. People are taking on, you know, uh, professions or trying in school to do things way bigger than I had aspirations for. Well, that's awesome. But then I said, okay, Lord, well, what, what verses are we supposed to look at? What scriptures would you like to talk about? And he says, well, but you know them, Mike. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? You know that everything that you're seeing, that everything that they're showing to everybody else, is just a joke. It's just a mask. It's just a hamster wheel that... They choose to get on because you know what? You got on it too. I do know you guys. And I may not know you all personally. I may not know all your names. I'm, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting old because I'm getting to the point where I'm saying, I know your mom or I know your dad or how are we related? I do those things. That's when you know you're getting old. But I do know that as you sit there, whether you're the clown, and I don't mean to point out the clown or the rebel or the whatever, or the good kids, but I can see you all sitting there. Whether you're one, whatever label you want to put yourself in, because you all have one, I know that what you're showing us, what you're showing me, is not what's really going on in there. Every time you work out and Punish your body to get that much bigger. What's it for? It isn't just so that you can 
you know, put a marker or a check mark or something at the gym and say that you maxed out at such and such. Or ladies, the fact that you could step, I don't know how many steps you take in a day, and not break an ankle and get home and fight through the punishment of leg cramps and all that stuff, wasn't just because that's the image you wanted to put on, but because there's something you're trying to hide. And the funny part is, is you're trying to hide complete emptiness. Complete and utter emptiness. And you can look at me and say, here we go again, it's another teen sermon. It's going to be the same thing as always. But the funny part to me is, is you know it's true, and you won't even admit it to yourselves. We go through rough times. You know, life is not a piece of cake, um, especially for teens. The time in your life that you're going through right now, maybe, well, for sure, it's the hardest that you've gone through up to this point. And I can't say it was the hardest so far, because things do get harder. There's, how's that for encouraging news? But it's tough. You feel lonely. You feel scared. You feel empty. And you're going to grab whatever it is that's your thing, whether it's to crack a joke or make everybody think you're all right or try to grab the attention of the peer group that you want. Whatever it is, you're going to grab it all and try to have it here as a big war chest so you can put on your face whatever it is that's going to stop that empty feeling from eating you alive. The real question is, how many of you are tired of it? I wish that I had the confidence that I could ask for a show of hands and say, how many of you have I described in some measure accurately? The part that I'm a little bit, not a little, I'm really upset about is it's Monday, and I don't really think I get too many hands. Because, again, you got all week. You got all this time to sit there and make the friendships and give the good impressions that you want and build up the ego and tell everybody and sell the story that you've already tried to sell to yourself. But the fact is, there's nothing there. There's, there's no validity to it. It doesn't hold any water. And you know that because you've crashed before. There's a... I mentioned the hamster wheel. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about with the hamster wheel, right? How far does a hamster wheel go? Yeah, just it doesn't go anywhere. It's completely futile. Yet, we're programmed to, to do whatever we have to do. I mean, I joke about the skinny jeans thing. I cannot believe that those are comfortable to wear for any extended period of time. But because the rest of the world says it's cool, you will horseshoe yourselves into them. Because the heels make your calves look good and the guys might notice, you will do whatever you can to walk as far as you can in those things because it's what everybody else says you should do. And yet, you still feel empty. I, I don't expect or actually wouldn't even want you to turn with me, but just to listen to some words. 
Um, God knew that I wasn't supposed to be comfortable here tonight because I'm a planner and I don't like to, to plan things out when it comes to the Word of God because I think that limits, I not think, I know that limits what I can allow or what the Spirit can do with me. But knowing that I had this big responsibility, I definitely was thinking about ideas and what, you know, what do you want to say, Lord? And so we had this room planned out, and I had a special number planned out. And then we got to camp, and all of that stuff went haywire. And God had to say, you know what? You need to be broken, and you need to be empty, and you need to be a little uncomfortable. And then he opened some words in St. Matthew chapter 14. And it starts in verse 10, and it says, And he sent, and this is speaking of King Herod, And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came to take up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, I'm not, well, I haven't done this very long, but to this point, I wouldn't really consider myself a fire and brimstone uh, person. I would much rather have folks chuckle while I'm preaching than shudder in fear. But the Lord reveals, opens up these words, and I had to think about what actually is going on. John the Baptist, this patriarch of faith, is in prison. You all know the Bible story, but in general terms, he is brought to the point where he's beheaded at the will of, uh, of uh, this woman. And she gives the, uh, gives the request, or excuse me, King Herod gives the request to this woman. And he's beheaded. And the verses as we read, it says, and his body was then taken and buried by the disciples. A couple short verses. you have any idea what that means? you have any idea what kind of situation that was? A man is beheaded. We're not talking about uh, very nice sutured or uh, carterized wounds. There's blood all over the place. A body that just is decapitated. And they're given the body to go bury it. How would you feel? Can you imagine what that'd be like? You'd imagine how filthy you'd be with all of the bodily fluids coming out of this thing? as you try to take it and in some decent way bury this body with respect? I can't even fathom what that would be like. And beyond just how grotesque it would be, can you imagine what's going through their minds emotionally and spiritually? Here's their master's cousin is just killed. When is Herod going to do the same thing to Jesus? When is Herod going to come and call for us? What's the plan for this new church that's being started? We're these disciples of this faith. What is going to happen as you stand there drenched in the blood of a martyr? It says they went and told Jesus. A parallel passage in in Mark. 
Jesus responds to them and says, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Okay, the Lord's going to make it all right. We're going to take this boat. It says in verse 13, And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence into a ship into a desert place apart. We're going to go talk about this. We're going to get it figured out. We're going to put our, our, our heads together. We're going to reposition the church. We're going to reevaluate what has to be done. Great. We're, you know, it's, it's traumatic. We're empty. We're broken. But the Lord's going to put it back together again. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Hold on, Jesus. What about this going into a desert place and resting a while? We just jumped on a boat, still probably filthy. We're sailing out across the sea, trying to find some peace and quiet, waiting for you to tell us what's going to happen here. How are you going to fix this? And Jesus is moved with compassion as he sees the multitudes following, and he heals their sick. Okay, Lord, fine. That's plenty. I still, we need to be encouraged here. This, this isn't going to work. Maybe we're not filthy anymore, but we're sure not, uh, you know, holding onward Christian soldiers and ready to, to sing a battle cry. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Jesus, get rid of these people. We're in the middle of the desert. We still haven't had our time away. Just send them away. Let them get their own food, and we'll, we'll take care of them. They, we can take care of them tomorrow. I, we had it all under control a little while, but we're fading fast. Let's get rid of these folks. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give them to eat. Are you kidding me? How? Not only have we gone through maybe the most traumatic experience of our lives up to this point, but now all of these urchins following us along the seashore want food. All we want, Lord, is to know what's supposed to happen here. And you've got us waiting tables. All we have here are but two fishes, excuse me, five loaves and two fishes. And he says, bring them hither to me. What do you think's going through the disciples' mind? Oh, this ought to be rich. Let's see what he's going to do with this. His cousin just had his head land in a pot and was paraded around the palace so that the king can see it, so that his mistress can see it, so that his mistress's daughter who was dancing for the king can see it. He didn't do anything about that, but now we're going we're gonna to see what happens with some fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And he called, commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, about 12 baskets full. 
And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. How many of you had a day like the disciples did? Nobody's going to raise their hands. Nobody's had to pick up a decapitated body and put it back together again, bury it in a hole. But I'd venture to say you've had some pretty miserable days. I did when I was your age. I do today. But the difference being, I know that I can be filled to overflowing. And you can't feel that yet. You have not felt that yet. Oh, it's a roller coaster, right? It's the hamster wheel. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you feel jacked to the hills. You can look in the mirror and nothing, nothing can stop you. All of your friendships are going exactly like they should. Your Facebook status, it looks great. Um, all of your friends are accepting your requests. Um, everything's in line. Life is great. And then I don't have anybody to stay with at camp. And my life's over. Or I sat by myself in the dining room because all my friends were doing something else and I looked around in circles because I had nowhere to go and that awkward feeling, and I'm not coming back to camp next year because I don't like that feeling. And the crash meter, folks, that's about here. Um, you know, there's, you got a long way to go. Like Brother Eric said last night, hitting rock bottom, believe me, you've come close, but you've tricked yourselves quite a few times to turn what's a not-so-comfortable situation into something you can make better. You feel the spirit tugging. You feel the need to surrender all of those relationships that are no good for you, and you know they're not. You felt the spirits moving, telling you there is only one path to the cross, but you've said, I don't like that one. It's too hard. I might stumble. It doesn't feel too good. Until we hit the bottom, there's no hope of the cycle ever stopping. You can be the rebel. You can be the clown. You can be the good kid. You can be the flirt. You can be anything you want. Be all of it. Be any of it. But until you can crash at the master's feet and allow him to fill you up to overflowing, none of it changes. How do you get off? How do you get off that wheel? Like I said a little earlier, I'm sad to say, if I asked how many of you were ready to get off, get off this, you know, whatever you want to call it, the hamster wheel to hell, the, um, the train ride to the devil, whatever. Put whatever title you want on it. If I asked how many of you were ready to get off and give away everything and put away all the stuff that doesn't matter anyways, 
you do like you're doing now, some of you, rolling your eyes and saying, whatever. It isn't worth it. What does he know? He already said he was the good kid. The banner is about as simple as anyone can be. Turn to the Lord. It's not a matter of having to have a special key to turn off the machine, to turn the game off because you don't want to play anymore. It's not a matter of having to build up enough equity and say, okay, now I'm popular enough, I don't have to play this game anymore. It's not a matter of having to have enough friends to say, finally I reached that status that I need to, and now I'm ready to give my life. I can bench how much I'm supposed to now. I can give over my life. I know enough science harp song numbers. I can give my life over. It's turn. You're facing this direction, turn to the Lord. He's not hiding. He's not playing games. Doesn't say it's not going to be difficult. Doesn't say it's not going to be painful. Doesn't say that you're not going to have to see the blood and the mess of your wretched past. Maybe you're going to have to see it for the first time. Because so far, you've been so busy running forward and making sure that you don't stumble, making sure that nobody can see that you're hurting or see that you're empty or see that you have issues or problems. You're going to have to stop and turn and ask the Lord, now what? Where do you want me? Speak, Lord. Your servant heareth. Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's not a suggestion. It's not a, you know, 99% of the time or 95% of the time, if you come unto me, I'll give you rest. But sorry for that 1%. It's a guaranteed fact. Turn unto the Lord and I will give you rest. And this is going to sound, in one way it's going to sound juvenile, in another way it's going to sound mean. I have a specific prayer this week. I have a specific prayer for all of you that are not right with your Heavenly Father, that all of you that are not Christians. And the prayer is that you will turn, be forced to turn, and see the bloody corpse of your past. See it in all the mess that it is. Roll your eyes. Go ahead. But just wait. Because every single one of you is going to hit that point. And not because I prayed it. Not because all these other brothers and sisters who love you have prayed that. But we make that prayer in love, pleading with God that now, while even though your lives seem pretty tough, that now, while... The baggage is small, and the opportunities ahead of you great, that the Lord will do powerful things in your midst, in your hearts, to take a group that 
has everything going for it, has their lives together, looks like they've got their lives together, and actually put them together. Because what could be better than having your Heavenly Father direct your path and point you in the right direction and tell you, yeah, here's your talents. You are a clown, but I can use that. You do have a lot of friends, but you can reach out to them. You are a great friend. You can support them. Let God use you for who you are, not for who you want to be. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm thankful that God makes me uncomfortable and changes things because we're all going to go back up the hill and there's a special number going to be sung tonight that was, I was hoping was going to be sung here that really moved me as it talked specifically about the silent miracles that God wants to work in each and every one of your lives. He took two loaves, or two, what was it, two fishes? He took a little grocery bag and filled more than 5,000 people. What do you think he can do with you? If you let him, you will be amazed. That I will guarantee. I won't apologize for that prayer. The one that asks that he breaks you. Because that's absolutely the only way that you can truly be whole and that you can measure up to what God has obviously blessed you with already. I'm going to ask a brother to come up and close with prayer. And if you would, do me a favor. As we go back up to the sanctuary, try to keep yourselves in a reverent spirit. And let the spirit let the Spirit work, not just from here and up there, but continue a message that we know is already burning in your souls.